Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will. I'm Jim. And our special guest is the publisher of Deacons Illustrated. That's Connor O'Neill. Thank you for joining us, Connor. Pleasure to be on, guys. Uh, thanks for having me back. Anytime. Uh, let's talk about Wake Forest basketball, football, and, and who knows what else is lurking around the <laughs> around the edges here. Let's start out with basketball, man. This is uh, this has been an exciting season. It's it's been a long time. It's been frustrating um, to to see where it's been in the past, and all of a sudden we have this new coach on the scene. We've got this enthusiasm, and people are going, "Yeah, well, we'll see what happens." And you know, but it's been this this kind of subtle thing, and you just feel it growing. And here we are. Here's a team that in the latest bracketology, I think, uh, number nine seed. And uh, that's that's nothing to sneeze about. Right now, number five uh, in the ACC. Uh, and definitely, you know, I was looking at the, at the scores on games and stuff and how close they were with Duke and, you know, the, the game at Notre Dame. And I'm just thinking, wow, wow, what a, what a turnaround for this team. Tell us a little more about what you've seen since things got turned around. Yeah, so, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, this has kind of come a year earlier than I thought was going to be possible under Steve Forbes. Like, I, you knew last year was going to be rough, uh, just taking over a job in a pandemic. He had to cobble together a roster. Um, he only had two guys on the, on the roster when he took the job that didn't go into the portal. Uh, and only one of those is left here in his second season, and that's Isaiah Musius, who plays a, a huge role on this team. The transfer portal, though, and, and one-time uh, or first-time transfer eligibility uh, has changed, and it, it's accelerated the timeline for the rebuild. Um, you know, you could, you could argue that it's not even a rebuild at this stage. It's, you know, they've established something. Um, yeah. Getting Alondis Williams, I mean, I am not saying this to diminish the talent evaluation of Wake staff, but I think they struck some gold there that they didn't even know was possible. Like, I, I don't think you can take a, a guy that scored six and a half points a game in two years at Oklahoma and know that he is going to be the front runner for ACC Player of the Year in late February. But, but that's where we are. I think they, I think they knew they were getting a good player. I think they were, they knew they were getting somebody that was not exactly used the right way at Oklahoma and was going to be able to blossom under the right coaching. But I don't know if anybody could have told you back in the summer that this was going to be the ACC player of the year and, and you wouldn't have gotten uh, a crazy look in return. Uh, and then it's more than that. You know, Jake Laravia is, might be a first team all ACC player. He's certainly going to be, you know, second team I would think is his floor for that um he comes from Indiana State he was kind of a he played five at Indiana State Wake Forest has used him as as a small forward at, at the three um he's been putting in a great spot to succeed and he's really capitalized on it they got kind of a journeyman with the DMC and they're kind of squeezing everything they can get out of him and Dallas Walton a sixth-year, seven-footer from Colorado. Um, it's it's just it's 
it's a brand new roster. Like I've, I've kind of had to recalibrate on how I asked some questions because asking about what they did last year is just meaningless. They have an almost a completely new roster. So you can ask Jake LaRavia, like, you know, Hey, do, do you talk to the three guys that are still on the roster from last year about how bad they were, but you know, what, what, what good is that going to do? It, it's, it's really an exciting team to follow. Um, and, and like I said, they're, they're a year ahead of schedule, at least the schedule that I had in mind for them. All right, Connor, I know you've been on the podcast a couple of times before, but this is the first time I've been able to talk to you. So I'm going to put you under the uh, spotlight here if I could get that to show up. But, uh, okay, at what point of this season did you realize that this team was for real? It's got to be the Virginia Tech game. Um, their non-conference schedule was nothing special. Uh, that's putting it kind of mildly. Uh, then they, so, you know, they played five home games in the non-conference to open the season. All it, you know, I think one of them might've been in single digits and it might've been an eight or nine point win. Um, then they went down and, and did the, uh, the tournament in Northwest Florida at Steve Forbes, former Juco, uh, where he coached for two years. They played a good half against Oregon state. They choked away like a 20 point lead and then won that game in overtime. They looked terrible against LSU, but LSU was pretty underrated at that point. Um, and Will Wade is going to have some dudes, right? Like that, that's just, he's going to have some strong ass dudes. Like he makes strong ass offers to, to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so then they came back and they won an overtime game against Northwestern in the, in the ACC big 10 challenge, but that was kind of, you know, it's, it's wake in Northwestern. Nobody's paying particular attention to that game. As far as the challenge went their ACC opener, Virginia tech. I mean, Virginia tech obviously hasn't had the season that, that we thought they would, but at that point I, I thought Virginia tech, I think I picked them third in the league. Um, you know, Wake went up there. It was the day of the ACC football championship. So your your attention is still on football season. And, like, this is the biggest Wake football game, you know, one of the two or three biggest in program history. And the basketball team wins by 20 at, at Virginia Tech and just kept – like, it was a two- or three-point game at halftime – and they just kept further distancing themselves in the second half. There was never really even a challenge from Virginia Tech as as the game went on. It was like, okay, it's you know twelve points with eight minutes left. All right, they they've kind of got a good handle on this. Then it's fifteen with six minutes left, and it's like, well, this is this is getting into the territory where like it would take a collapse to lose this game. And then it's like, it's twenty with four minutes left. They're gonna run away with this thing. Um, so that was really that was kind of the eye opening like okay, they're for real, you know, they, they have it even when the competition gets pushed up a little bit and, you know, they're not playing a, a VM, uh, VMI is, is decent. So I won't use them, um, you know, a t or Gardner-Webb or uh, Kennesaw State, I think was in there. Like, you know, they, they housed Virginia Tech in front of a sold out Castle Coliseum. And, and that was really the one where it's like, they're for real. 
And you kind of talked about some of the things, you know, that obviously this team is way ahead of schedule. Um, you could probably end up with the coach of the year, potentially the player of the year. But you talk, there's not a whole lot of substance to that non-conference schedule. And it just felt like it's, you know, there was, this was set up to, you know, build confidence into this team and to just get some wins out of the gate. Now, I don't, I don't know what the rest of the season holds and we'll get into that in a bit. And, you know, if it ends up, you know, biting them in the end and they don't make the tournament because of it, oh, well, but it's still it's just a, a, a crazy successful season, no matter what. Yeah, I had that discussion with somebody uh, in the media about a week ago, and they were telling me that where Wake has gotten to now, if they don't make the tournament, it would be a disappointment. And, you know, they'd have the non-conference schedule to blame for it. And it was kind of like, well, they they had won 20 games at that point. So they've won 20 games. You, you look at where this program has been for the last 11 years and look at what they've done this year. Even if the wheels come off, and I don't think they will, but even if they do, I still think this is, is a successful season. I still think if they if they go 0-3 by against whatever odds that would be and, and lose in the first round of the ACC tournament, they'd still be in the NIT. So you're still talking about getting to a post getting to the postseason for the second time in 12 years. You're still talking about a 20-win season, which is more than they've had since either 2009 or 2010. I mean, it's it's still a good season in my book. It wouldn't be as good of a season as you would have thought was possible, but it's still a good season. And and yeah, I mean, I I think you know it's I think it's ACC Player of the Year. I think it's ACC Coach of the Year. I've always when I've when I've had a ballot, I've kind of cringed at the notion of naming both of those awards to the same people from the same school because I kind of have the thought if if you have the player of the year then how good of a job have you done as a coach really like you if you just have the best player in the conference then you shouldn't have to do that good of a job as a coach but I think coach of the year needs to be kind of a a fluidly defined uh award like does Steve Forbes get credit in kind of like a GM of the year for the job that they did in the transfer portal going back, you know, nine and 10 months ago. I, I think so. Uh, other people could have different translations of coach of the year. You know, I hate to define coach of the year just based on the preseason media poll because everybody and anybody can vote in that thing and, and sway the, the scales uh, way too much. Um, but that's just, that's my two cents. So, you mentioned all the work they did in the transfer portal. Is this going to be a trend going forward or is this more of what they needed to do this season? It's, it's funny you ask that. I think I, I hadn't had a chance to listen to coach Forbes appearance on Josh Graham's show today, but he actually, I think did address that and said, it's going to be fluid. Uh, and that's kind of the same thing that I talked to him. I had a, about an hour long interview with Steve on the phone after last season ended and kind of right in the middle of, you know, they had picked up, I think Jake LaRavia was the only guy out of the portal that they had at that point. They might've added one more uh, in there, but you know, he, he is, he's not committed one way or the other to saying uh, this was a one year thing. We're going to put, you know, 80 to 90% of our effort into four year players in the future. He's not gone the other way and said, you know, we're only going to take one or two freshmen and we're going to, spend the other you know however many scholarships we have available on the portal 
he's going to, you know, evaluate what's out there. He's, he's going to take stock of, of the recruiting legwork that you can do before the, the portal craziness starts and you get, you know, 30 to 50 portal entries a day, uh, right around like late March and into April. Um, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, we're all new to this, right? Like the, the portal is just, it's, I don't want to call it a Pandora's box, but this is just such uncharted territory for college basketball that you're, you're, you're going to be able to do what Wake has done this year and bring in uh, five guys that can put you into the NCAA tournament. And, and that can really, I mean, we, we call it a rebuild because we don't really have any other name for it, but is it really a rebuild if you just bring in all the guy, all new guys? Uh, or, or is that, you know, is, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's all so uh, uncharted and, and unprecedented that, you know, we'll see how, how it plays out. I just got to say one thing, Connor, this is the first time I've ever seen or heard you close to being speechless on a topic. <laughs> so, uh, now, when it comes down to voting for uh, player of the year and coach of the year off the same team, um, I think you just have an aversion to being referred to as a homer. Okay. <laughs> I, I do. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I, I've caught myself in the past of maybe being a little too harsh on the teams that you cover. Um, you, you tend to look at that team to, in spite of your best efforts sometimes, uh, with more of a critical lens than the other 14 teams in the conference, 13, when we're talking football, but yeah, I, I don't look, I, I don't, I, I don't think I'll have a vote. So it's not like I'm giving away the, the farm here. I'm, I don't think I'm one of the 75 or 60 voters or whatever it is, but yeah, it's, it's just a personal feeling of, you know, if, if you have the, the best player in the conference, how good of a job did you do as a coach? Or did you just turn the reins over to the best player and, and let him take you to the promised land? Hmm. I, you know, I think that's a, a very reasonable way to look at that too. Um, I, but there is one point that you made about that, about being a manager and using that transfer portal uh, effectively. Um, that I think is is a key uh, to to being a good coach, and and that may be enough. At least in my mind, it would be to go ahead and, and cross over that line and say, okay, it's not just the player. It is what the coach has done. Now, I'm looking at the uh, the remainder of the composite schedule for the ACC, and I'm seeing Clemson, uh, Louisville, and NC State on Wake Forest schedule. And uh, surprise, surprise, ladies and gentlemen, the ACC tournament is Tuesday through Saturday, March 8th through the 12th. Guess how close that is if you haven't looked at your calendar. Um you two guys were talking about uh, the possibility that, um, you know, remote possibility that, that Wake Forest would not uh, make it into the, the field of 68. I, I Just react to this, Connor, and we'll react to it as well. 
Um, I cannot see with the remaining games, regular season, unless there's an absolute collapse in the ACC tournament that Wake does not get an invite to the field of 68. Uh, Aside from a total collapse, which I don't see happening, um, this team is, is going to be involved in March Madness. Yeah, I don't see it either. I mean, they're on paper, their toughest remaining game is at Clemson. And that is wholly dependent, I think, on whether PJ Hall plays. Uh, and it doesn't sound, but based on Brad Brownell's comments on the teleconference today, it's kind of 50 50 up in the air. And we'll wait and see how he feels on Tuesday. And we'll wait how he see, wait and see how he feels uh, leading up to game time on Wednesday night. So if P.J. Hall doesn't play, then your your toughest remaining game becomes so much easier. The Louisville game is about revenge. Uh, that is a game that Wake Forest, you know, all the way back, uh, I think that was a December still on the calendar. You know, it's, it's a good league. That was before Louisville kind of imploded and Chris Mack was on his way out. It was not the same Louisville that was playing on the court, you know, even like two and three weeks later. It was one of those ones where it was like, man, we couldn't we we didn't get that break in the schedule of getting those guys uh, when the wheels had started coming off. But that was a game that Wake felt they should have won, um, even with Louisville still being in a relatively OK place uh, at that point in the season. And then the NC State game, I mean. Look, NC State has some talented players. Um, that was a tight game in Raleigh. The 18-point score did did not tell the story that night. Uh, that was a like a one and two-point game coming down the wire. But you've got to think that Wake playing in its final home game, you figure that gives them a, that would be probably your chance to get to either you know 23, 24 wins. I I think that. They're in relatively good shape for those last two at home. So yeah, it, it you know we're we're talking about a team that you know it seems like you don't want to give them the wins yet. Uh, you don't want to put the put the cart before the horse. But oh come on, yeah. It's, it's just, <laughs> I mean, they well, and they're coming out of the tough stretch, right? They're they're coming out of a stretch where they played one, two, three in mm-hmm. the conference standings. The Miami game was a great college basketball game that came down yeah. to the wire. Uh, the Duke game, you know, you're down 19 in the second half and you come back and tie the game and only lose on a on a tip in with 0.4 seconds left. And then you beat Notre Dame in, in another great college basketball game in your home arena. Yeah. So <laughs> they've, they've kind of proven themselves. They've proven that, you know, not only have they been good all year, but they're kind of, they're improving. They're they're rising to meet the challenge of of playing games that matter in February and and you know I, I can't see why that wouldn't translate into playing well in March. Will mm-hmm. I agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, of course, you know that Duke game came to uh, came as a result of one of Connor's Connor's favorite things, the replay. <laughs> <laughs> had to had to throw that I knew one you in were there, Connor. Get but... that in there. <laughs> It, it was perfect timing, but no, I, I agree with everything he said. And I think what will really help uh, Wake is 
some of these teams that they've beaten that are on the bubble, like Virginia, who they want, they beat in Charlottesville, you know, they have an opportunity on Wednesday night to, to beat Duke and sweep the season series, a win Virginia winning against Duke will only help Wake Forest in terms of their resume as well. Same with North Carolina. They, they beat them and they're on the bubble. You know, they could really use the win. And same with the, the opponent they faced on Saturday in, in Notre Dame. They, they need Notre Dame to continue to play well you know, as the season plays out. That's only going to really help them uh, in terms of uh, the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, I, I agree with, with Connor as far as, uh, yeah, barring collapse they're in at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's a uh, – I don't think there's anything wrong with being um, optimistic here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tend to be the glass half full type of guy. I'm looking at this, this team and saying it's three quarters full, uh, at the very least. And I, I don't see anything collapsing there. Um, that's exciting. I, I, I love to see that because I, I watched the struggles of this team for the last couple of years and, and just kept thinking to myself, how long is it going to be? Um, let me ask you a quick question here because you brought up um, Louisville. Uh, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some kind of rivalry set up here or is a, a budding rivalry between Wake Forest and Louisville. It's not only basketball, but it's also football. There's, there's some kind of bad blood or something going on here. What's, what's the deal? Yeah, I- I don't know if it's there as much in basketball. Um, it's definitely there. It was the people in the football program would argue that it was extinguished with uh, Bobby Petrino's firing. Uh, the Wakey Leaks died with with Bobby uh, getting canned after a, in, in the middle of a two and ten season. Um, I, I don't think there's any love lost between the current staffs. Maybe that's just a misplaced hunch. But, yeah, I, I don't think that they're all that tight. Um, I don't think we're ever going to – I mean, the, the League stuff was a once-in-a-decade storyline of betrayal and uh, espionage. But – uh, I don't, I don't know if we'll have anything quite like that, but I do think that I do think you're onto something that it is, it's a good little rivalry. You know, they're in the same division. Who knows how much longer we'll have divisions in the ACC, but for as long as they're both in the Atlantic, uh, we'll have some fun with it. And uh, yeah, it's, it is kind of, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy of, of schools with, Louisville being kind of toward the bottom on the, well, they're not toward the bottom. They are on the bottom of the ACC's academic requirements and Wake Forest is very much not at the bottom of that. So yeah, there's an interesting contrast of uh, academia at play there also. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> let's make the transition now to football and uh, talk a little bit about, about what's going on there. And uh, I'm going to let Will take that, the reins, uh, at this point, since uh, I'm going to have to um, uh, have a swig of coffee to clear my mouth out after you mentioned Petrino. So. <laughs> 
All right, before we get into that, let me just kind of bridge the two here. You're obviously seeing a, a successful basketball season. We saw the football team make the ACC championship game, um, just have a, a, you know, having a, a great run really under, under Dave Clawson. Just, uh, just for this year, just because, you know, there's been so much success with the basketball team, how much fun has it been to cover Wake Forest Athletics? It's been fun. Um, I'm a little, you know, I'm not all that gung-ho in the answer just because uh, with, with extra attention and these extra wins comes the, the bigger media entities. And it's sometimes disappointing to, to see the access that they're given and compare it to the access that you're given. I understand it's part of the game and it's, it's, you know, I get it. Um, but I don't have to like it. So that's kind of the one thing that would hold me back on that. Um, you know, for, for an example, like Sam Hartman never talked to the media during the week of football season. It was always, uh, he's, he's too busy. He wants to focus on football, but then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big 2000 word feature on ESPN where they clearly got him one-on-one and there's a big 3000 word feature on the athletic where they clearly got him one-on-one so it's like okay so he's not too busy he's just too busy for you Uh, so that that was that's a little disappointing that hasn't happened as much in basketball I mean as good of a season as the basketball team is having it's it's not like they're knocking down the door to be a a top 10 team uh like the football team well they debuted the CFP rankings at number nine yeah, so we'll get more into the team here. I think uh, the, even though, you know, we talked about Sam Hartman's back for, I think he's, you know, he's the new Kenny Pickett of uh, somebody who's been around forever, but, you know, still a great, uh, still a good quarterback. I, th- I think where we're, we're, I want to look at is a running back position. Obviously, Christian Bill Smith is, is uh, transferred out. He's now in South Carolina, but behind him, there was a, still some really promising players. Um at running back justice ellison christian turner both uh young kids who got plenty of playing time this year how do how do you see that them stacking up in terms of carries and is there anybody else that might see some work at running back as well i think it'll be it'll be christian uh and justice as kind of your one two and i i would if i know dave clausen the way i think i do it'll go through spring and fall camps to sort out which one of them is the starter in game one. And if you read into, if, if you read into which one actually starts, then that's, that's wasted energy. I mean, it's Wake Forest is always going to split the carries among running backs evenly. Uh, This past year, it was between three of them. Uh, I think Dave prefers to have two of them. And so I think those would be the guys that you would tag as, you know, these, these are our two guys. Uh, The third one would be Quentin Cooley. We saw a little bit of him at the end of the season. Uh, They had some guys nicked up. Uh, Christian missed Christian Beal Smith missed a few games. I always forget there are two Christians there. Um, It's really fun when they'd go split backs and you'd have Christian and Christian on and Sam in the middle. Uh, (laughs) Extra blessed in the backfield. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, if, if only Sam's last name was like Holy Man. So oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, Quentin Cooley showed some burst. He is, you know, it, it was always fun to write about Wake's running backs last year because all three of them, Beal Smith, Turner, and Justice Ellison, were all basically the same size, like 5'10", 200 pounds. I think Quentin Cooley, if I'm recalling, if I recall correctly, is listed at 5'8", 220. He is very much a bowling ball running bowling back. Ball, yes. <laughs> but, you know, you, you run that, you run that slow mesh and you run up the middle. You need somebody that can take some hits, uh, whether they have the ball in their hands or whether they don't have the ball in their hands. So he could be valuable. Um, they, and, and they've got guys behind them. Uh, running back is very much positioned with Wake Forest that they want to get as many in the program as they can. They don't want to take scholarships away from other positions to have a, you know, 10 running backs but it's a position that they see as if, if you're not in the rotation of, you know, the top two or top three, you're going to help on special teams because you're going to have a body where you can run down the field really fast on kickoffs. You can line up and block somebody for two seconds on a punt and then run down the field and make a tackle. Like they, they really want to use their running backs on special teams. And so, They've got three young guys. One, Will, Will Towns was in the program last year and got in there on a couple special teams. I think he stayed under the four-game redshirt threshold. Then they're bringing in two guys, uh, one, Damon Claiborne from up in your guys' neck of the woods, Virginia. Uh, I think he went to – I think it was Prince William or King William High School. Um, they won a state championship, I think, this year in, the like, 2A. Um and then uh, Tate Carney, and and that last name should sound familiar because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's the younger brother of Cade. So Carney, yep. So they're, they're bringing in two more running backs, and that's actually uh, the reason that Christian Beal Smith had to transfer was he he told the coaching staff all season that he was going to be gone. Let's this was going to be his last season, and then between so after the after signing day in December and before their bowl game he shifted course and said he wanted to come back and the coaching staff had to tell him that they didn't have space for him. Um, They had brought in two running backs telling them both that Christian Bill Smith was not going to be here anymore. And that's going to open up, you know, a little bit of a window for you to, to come in and play. And so uh, it, it was an unfortunate circumstance that the Christian ended up having a transfer and, you know, there's kind of, I think both sides want want each other to do well uh, on that side of the transfer. I don't think there was any bad blood left. So I know people who who follow the ACC closely know this, but maybe not on the national level know this. But Wake does a really good job of developing wide receivers as long as long ever since Dave Clawson's been at, been at, at Wake. And, you know, this has been no exception after last season. I think Jaquari Roberson is gone, but everyone else is back. Plus the big, you know, getting Donovan Green back healthy is just only going to make this wide receiving core that much better. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, they've they've gotten some project type guys in there and turned them into NFL players with Scotty Washington and Alex Bachman. Uh, Greg Dorch, even um, now they're getting guys that aren't as much of projects like, you know, 
every high school kid that that comes into college, unless they're going to, you know, unless they're like a top 20 recruit, there's going to be some polishing needed. But Wake has really made a living in getting the the diamond in the rough receivers, teaching them for two or three years, and then having them explode. You know, now Donovan Green came in as a four-star recruit. Like Donovan Green, by the time he, you know, he was a contributor by the end of his freshman season. Um, it would have been really interesting to see last year if he had been healthy, if A.T. Perry has the breakout season that he had. But now that A.T. Perry is broken out in the way that he did, now you're going to add Donovan Green to that mix. You've got two guys on the outside that are that are kind of horses for you. Um, you still have Taylor Morin who can play outside or he can play the slot. Uh, Keyshawn Williams – I mean, Jaquari Roberson is the only thing that kept Keyshawn Williams from having maybe seven or 800 yards last season. I mean, Keyshawn Williams is, is really primed to be a, the next in line of the, of the slot receiver um, tradition that's kind of been established in the last five years. So, and, and they're bringing in uh, one of their highest rated recruits ever uh Wesley Grimes from the Raleigh area and he was getting offers in the season from uh I think he picked up a Notre Dame offer he picked up a UNC offer and he stayed committed he committed in early September and and stayed with Wake Forest through the season that they had so I would not rule out some early contributions from him well, I tell you what, a lot of excitement going on at Wake Forest in both basketball and football, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Now, Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball has been our guest several times. We've talked about Wake. Uh, Aaron has always been sold on Wake Forest for the last couple of years, and he always ends up a little bit disappointed at the end of the season. Tell us a little bit about what to expect from Wake Forest baseball this season. So I think you've still got to have some tempered expectations. Uh, they lost a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's so far, it's so good. You know, they, they swept their opening weekend. Uh, they won two blowouts, and then they won a close game on Sunday, a 6-4 game where they had to come back from down two runs. Um, it's a team that spent a lot of the last nine months not working on anything X's and O's wise. I don't even know what X's and O's in baseball would be. Uh, they spent a lot of time on team chemistry and team culture. Uh, last year, I can remember it like it was yesterday. They swept Pitt in the last series of the season. They knew that they were already they their fate had been decided. They were going to be one of two ACC teams that didn't go to the league tournament. And you know it was kind of like this. All right, good job. We we won in a sweep, so at least the season doesn't have the the most bitter feeling possible. But it was still such a bitter feeling. And Tom Walter told us in the post game that they needed to trim the fat, and they had too many guys in the in the dugout that were not bought into the team concept. And so they really overhauled the way that they approached the off season. Um, 
of course, in, in college baseball, there's not really an off season until you come back onto campus because everybody goes and plays summer ball and that kind of thing. So when they got him back in the fall, it was really, it was a conscious effort to build a little more team bonding and, you know, get guys comfortable, get, get the upperclassmen comfortable with the freshmen and vice versa, that kind of thing. They're still talented. Like they, they still have, I mean, Brock Wilkin, the third baseman, I, I seems like he's going to be maybe a top 10 or top 20 pick uh, next year. He's still a sophomore. Um, they've got a young rotation, but they're promising. They've, they've got other hitters in the lineup. I mean, they had a freshman who had a, great first weekend uh he's taken over at first base for bobby seymour which is big shoes to fill but yeah it, it's it's going to be an interesting season just because of where their expectations had been for the last few years and the level of talent and how short they fell for where they should have been and compare that to what they do this year Looking forward to it. It should be fun. I know the baseball season just getting underway, so we'll keep an eye on what Wake Forest does this season and whether Aaron's previous investment in the Deeks is uh, is going to pay off this season and in the future. That's always going to be fun to watch. Uh, our special guest has been the publisher of Deacons Illustrated, Connor O'Neill. Connor, thank you, as always, for coming by, joining uh, Will and myself and talking to ACC Nation fans about Wake Forest. 